You are listening to Cornelia Church. Passion for God, compassion for people. I guess it's my turn now. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much. Um, it is an honor uh, to serve uh, in God's house, an honor to serve distinctly here at, at Koinonia Church and this particular church, a church that I love uh, and, uh, and have been a part of for a long time now and to serve alongside a wonderful staff. So thank you, uh, Kristen. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, uh, Deb, for that prayer. Uh, we love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we are in a series called A Season of Prayer and Intercession. If you haven't noticed, you've been around for a while. We're doing some prayer. We're, doing some, we're learning how to pray uh, in a new way, in a deeper way. We're learning how to intercede and storm heaven and, uh, and reach out for what God has for us. Uh, we've been in this series for uh, six weeks now. We're going to bring it to a conclusion today. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we're bringing to a conclusion a time of prayer. Uh, it just means that uh, the focus for the weekends and for our small groups are coming to a conclusion. Uh, if you've noticed over the last year, we've actually uh, been uh, focusing on prayer throughout the year. We're going to continue to do that because I believe God is building something in this house and wants to, us to redig the wells of prayer in our personal life and in our corporate life uh, because there's something, and, and this is something that God is doing, I believe, in the church at large, not just here at Koinonia. It's not a unique call to Koinonia, although it is a specific call to Koinonia for us to be a, a house of prayer. Uh, that's what we're called to be as, as a church. Uh, and I see across this nation, I, I see that focus happening in many different congregations. I see that move happening. That God is once again, he's stirring and preparing his people. He's reminding them of the fundamentals to go back to the thing that he's called us to do because he's preparing us for what he is going to do next. And God is always going to do something next and and he is preparing a time uh, for us and for the church and uh, and it's not over uh, the, the the end is not here yet have you noticed there is still time uh, for God to do the work that he wants to do in the earth and there remains many to come into the house of God there remains many to be saved and to know him uh, and he's preparing the earth for that purpose just to to remind you where we're at of course uh, this is a season of prayer and intercession uh, which means not just a season of these six weeks, but it's a season that God has called us to. Uh, since Jesus came to the earth, he established a season or an age of prayer and intercession. And the way that God works on the earth today is he works through his church, and he works through his church through obedience, and he works through his church through prayer. Uh, and, and he has told us repeatedly, Jesus said, hey, listen, you need to understand the way that I want to actually be released into the earth is through your invitation. You're, you're, God, would you come? Would you have your will? Would you have your way in my family? Would you have your way in my life? Would you have your way in my church? Would you have your way in my community? We actually are cooperating with God through prayer and through intercession. We're standing in the gap, drawing God's promises, all the things, that, the good things that he wants to do in the earth and bringing them into the situations of our lives that are, that are broken. Uh, and prayer and intercession is the key for the church. It's the key for every person that's here this morning. If you know Jesus Christ, prayer and intercession is not a calling for someone else. It's not a calling for someone that you think wakes up up only at 2 a.m. in the morning just to spend three hours in prayer it is in fact uh, a calling for every single person that calls Jesus their leader and their and, and their Lord it is a call for us it's the way that we're going to learn how to hear and understand the voice of God 
It's through prayer and intercession. That's how you learn to hear his voice. It's the way that you're going to learn how to actually use the keys to the kingdom that Jesus said now belongs to the church, that whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bound on earth will be bound in heaven. That happens through prayer. It's how we actually unlock the fullness of God's presence, his manifest presence expressed in our lives and the lives of those that are around us. If you notice, if you look at Scripture, it's pretty powerful when you look at what prayer does. Paul says, if you're struggling with worry and anxiety, pray, and God's going to give you peace that surpasses understanding. James said, are you sick? Confess your sins one to another and pray, and you will be healed. Uh, John says, when you pray his will, you can be confident you will receive. Jesus himself said, ask and you will receive. Prayer is a critical difference maker for your life and my life as we follow Jesus Christ. It's the difference maker for us on the earth today. Uh, let me just read this to you from Charles Spurgeon's a fantastic quote, and then we'll kind of get into some of the things that are prepared for you today. Look at this. I think it's on the screen. Prayer pulls the rope below and the great bell rings above in the ears of God. Some scarcely stir the bell, for they pray so languidly, so lazily. Others give but an occasional pluck at the rope. But he who wins with heaven is the man who grasps the rope boldly and pulls continuously with all his might. The great Charles Spurgeon said that. Do you just sort of pluck at the rope every once in a while? Do, do, do you just, do you make that bell, great bell move in heaven? Are you learning how to begin to pull on the rope and pull on the rope so that you actually can move heaven so that it actually draws down into earth, into your family, into your life, all the things that God has for us? The only way that we're going to do that is if we learn how to move in prayer and intercession. Now, today I want to talk to you for a little bit. My plan was and is today, although we'll see how much my, we get to my plan, is to talk to you for a few minutes about uh, a, a pattern that I think you'll find practical of prayer and intercession uh, for our families and for those that are praying around us. But be, before I, I get into that, I, I want to sort of set, step aside from the notes if I can do that. Uh, and, and I just want to talk to you um, about spiritual opposition for a moment. Uh, and, and in many ways, we talked about much of this last week. We've been talking about it all along. This is not a new topic. Uh, what, what I want you to just be reminded of today is that when we pray, we can expect opposition because we're actually engaging in spiritual warfare. And, and so as we stir ourselves in prayer, as we begin to make declarations, as we pray the word of God back to heaven, as we ask God to do his will, pray according to his will, I want you to know you can expect that you will be opposed in receiving everything that God has for you. And that should be our expectation and it should be our mentality. We should not have a naive understanding of what we're talking about today in prayer. Uh, we're not just talking about just saying a few things and then suddenly everything falls into place. What we're, what we're realizing is, is that we are engaged in war as the people of God on the earth today. We're surrounded by a broken, fallen world that is under the power of the enemy, of the evil one. We are dealing with our own flesh. We're dealing with the spirit of the world. We're dealing with oppositional forces all around us. We are an army here in territory that oftentimes does not belong to us and our job is to take territory. And territory is not taken unless you actually fight for it, unless you push against the opposition. Ephesians 6:12. many of you know this verse. It says, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We make that mistake so often. 
we get into uh, arguments, and I'm not saying don't, don't uh, have discussions, I'm not saying don't argue, I'm just saying we have to understand that our true enemy is not flesh and blood. Our true enemy is not the person that we're communicating with that we see that is opposed or even acting in a way that's oppositional to the things of God. We are actually dealing with, he says, evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, right? The invisible world is actually the war that we're engaged in against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. In, in the Greek, if you, if you read that verse, what Paul is actually doing is he's beginning to sort of list out the levels of authorities in the unseen realm. That, that is, there is in fact an enemy, there is Satan, there is the devil that is not an omnipresent, all-powerful uh, individual. He is one angel that has great, uh, yes, power, but he has now many other fallen angels or demonic spirits that are organized and arrayed in the supernatural realm in the heavenlies, and their desire is to oppose every good thing that God wants to do on, on the earth. There is actually opposition at all times to the things that God wants to do. Now, when we talk about opposition, I just want you to, to, to know that if you think the enemy is going to give you a hall pass to walk through life and receive the full goodness of God without a fight, you need to wake up. So if you're not awake this morning, or if your neighbor's not awake, just take your little bony little elbow right there and just kind of jab it into very with the love of Jesus and just say to your neighbor, hey, wake up a moment, we're at war. Wake up a moment, right? Don't, don't fall asleep. This is a time to engage. This is not a time to fall asleep. This is not a time to just sort of just go with the flow. We have to understand that all the people of God are called to get in line with what he's doing. And, and this is an all call, as, as we have been talking about over and over again, for the church here at Koinonia Church, whether you're in the house this morning, whether you're watching online, this is an all call for every follower of Jesus to get ready to push and to do your part. Don't, don't, don't fall out. Don't, don't get lost. Remember, you're called. You're chosen. God has a plan for you. He's got work for you to do. He's got prayers for you to pray. You have something that he needs you to do, which is to open your mouth and to begin to be in obedience to him, to begin to declare some things and to walk according to his way. And I want you to know, Jesus was opposed. Paul was opposed. Each one of the disciples were opposed. And you had better expect opposition as well. That's just part of the thing. Sometimes that opposition is just kind of harassment and it bothers you. Sometimes it's all out war, uh, but I, I just want you to be aware of that. Now, let me just speak to you just very briefly uh, about what that opposition looks like. And, and I mentioned a moment ago, but when we talk about the enemy who is opposed to you, we can talk about the enemy as being dividing into, into three oppositional forces. Those three oppositional forces are the world, the flesh, and the devil. I think I have them arranged as the flesh, uh, the world, and the devil. And I want you to be aware of this because when we talk about the enemy, we need to be a little bit, we need to be sophisticated enough to know that you don't have a little devil on this shoulder and a little angel on this shoulder that are just sort of talking to you uh, about what, which way you should go and which decisions you should make. Uh, there is actually a number of things that are aligned together in opposition to the will of God in your life. Now, the flesh, when we talk about the flesh, that is your carnality. That is this 
fallen nature that you have, not just your physical being, but the physical being represents uh, a broken, uh, a sinful being that's affected by the nature of sin. Your flesh, which is internal to you, I wish sometimes we could cast it out, but to some extent you are stuck with the body that you're in. Your flesh, have you noticed, talks to you. And it oftentimes and most often will speak in direct opposition to the will of God in your life. Your flesh are thing, is things like uh, uh, destructive habits and patterns that you've built up in your life. Uh, it's, it's the tendency that we have towards laziness and procrastination. It's selfishness. It's all of those things that are part of our fallen sin nature that, we're, that this, this body of flesh that we're in that we war against. That is when we talk about the enemy, in one sense, that is the enemy. That, that's your flesh, because your flesh is always going to tell you, do what feels good, do what's convenient, uh, do, you know, the, the thing that you, will make you happy, and it's always in opposition to what the Word of God says. So you need to know that's internal to you. Uh, that's not the dev devil working in you. That's actually your flesh that you got to deal with. I don't know about you. I got a flesh, right? And, 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 it, and it speaks to me, and it's always telling me some way around the will of God. And you need to deal with the flesh. And, and, and Paul says you, you got to beat the flesh sometimes. You got to beat it into submission. You, you got you to put it into training. You got to uh, arrange things in your life so that you understand how to, uh, to, to build new kinds of habits that are going to align yourself with the will of God. Secondly, the world is a part of that oppositional force that the enemy uses. The world, we talk, the scripture talks about the spirit of the world. Now, the spirit of the world is outside of you, but very oftentimes it has been internalized by us, right? The spirit of the world is all around us, and we see its influences at all time. We see it through media. We see it through friends. We see it, there's just, there's an environment in the world that because we live in the world, it, be, it begins to affect our thinking, the way that we view things. It's almost like a set of lenses that we put on our eyes. So the spirit of the world is, is, is natural thinking. It, it is human philosophies. It's, it's naturalistic worldviews. It, it's a sense of, of doubt that we have whenever we come to the things of God, and we just go, that, that's not, that can't be true. That can't be right. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's carnal uh, thinking that actually seeks to, to dwell in us that we have received from the outside. And it's always saying, uh, uh, that's not of God. It's always saying, no, God can't do that. It's always in opposition uh, to the things that God wants to do. Now, that's the world. Now, that's not the enemy. I mean, although it is an oppositional force that is part of the enemy, but that's not Satan. The, the third oppositional force is, in fact, Satan and, and his, uh, all, all of his demonic uh, uh, forces, all the spiritual uh, realms that, that are in opposition to, uh, to God's will in your life. Now, when we talk about the enemy, then, of course, we're talking about all three things. When we talk about the enemy, we're talking about Satan. I just want you to know that Satan probably has never come and directly opposed you as an individual. I'm not saying that he hasn't, but the reason I say that is because, number one, Satan can't be at everywhere at all, all times. Uh, Satan is a limited individual. He's an, he's an angel. He's created being. He is not equal to God in any way, sense, or form. He is always uh, limited. He doesn't know everything. Uh, he, 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 his power is limited. He can, and so Satan has to choose where he goes and where he invests his energies. Now, he is, he is the head of the demonic mafia, okay? Uh, there, there is, in fact, he's got troops arranged just like uh, a cartel or anything else that has a head and many different uh, henchmen. That's the way that the enemy works. Now, that, that Satan has probably invested himself in people that have the greatest influence in the world. All right, Satan, I'm sure, was directly involved with Hitler. 
right? Uh, there, there are some things that Hitler somehow uh, got in his mind and was directed that that seemed like probably he was influenced by, by Satan. But, but there, when we say the enemy, then of course we have to remember that there, there's all kinds of other spiritual demonic forces that are in fact at work. Now, I, I'm not the kind of Christian that sees a spirit behind every bush. But the reality is, is that we are actually supernatural beings, that we are in a physical world, and there's another world that we can't see with our natural eyes. And that other world is very real. And spirits uh, actually like, t they're attached usually to territories. And so the way spirits gain authority is they gain authority by human beings giving them authority. And so there's a spirit, for example, of, of wickedness uh, that desires to pollute uh, us as individuals. There's a spirit of lust, for example. Uh, now, the spirit of lust has authority in your life when you actually begin to cooperate with it by beginning to sin, by, by receiving and choosing to do things that stir up lust. And after a period of time, when we have agreed with the enemy over and over again, we've actually handed him a level of authority in our life that then he can come in and say, no, that's my territory, which is why oftentimes we find ourselves, all of a sudden we're going in the right direction. Man, bless God, we think we're doing well. Hallelujah, we're praying. And then all of a sudden a thought comes into our mind and we are pulled out of that place where we're really feeling like we're in the spirit of God and the spirit of lust pulls us in another direction and we are now fully engaged and doing things that we didn't want to do before. We go, what? how did that happen? I'm a child of God. Well, there has been authority that has been given that has now been actually in operation in your physical body through habits and all kinds of other stuff. And, and because we have agreed with the enemy, we've given him a level of authority. Now, that, that, and that's how spiritual authority begins to happen. Spiritual authority often happens in territories when uh, people worship a certain god or deity, when people worship money, when people worship uh, a fear, when they, well, all kinds of different things, then they give spirits authority in certain regions. So if you think about places in the earth where they have done human sacrifice and worship to a deity, to a false god, you better believe that there are spirits that are attached with authority, territorial authority in that particular realm. If you have regions of territory that where people have uh, uh, attacked uh, in a sinful way, perhaps other people, there's been massacres that have occurred. You better believe that the enemy has loved that and he has set up territory in that place and claimed it because there's been blood that has been shed and there now has a, a spiritual authority that's standing there until the people of God come and begin to break those authorities, right? And so, so the enemy is always looking to gain authority in your life. He's always looking to gain territory in this area. And part of what we're doing is we're not any longer being naive to the way that he works. We're no longer going to be just sort of acting as if it's all good and we can pretend as if it's all easy. No, we're engaged in warfare. The good news is we know who wins. The good news is the enemy's time is short. The good news is that the, the scripture tells us resist the devil and he will flee. That there, there is, so it's not that, uh, we're not talking about this so you would be afraid. We're talking about this so that you would be prepared for what you are going to face when you begin to be, uh, be at war against the enemy. When you start to say to the enemy, enemy, you can't have my kids, then there's oftentimes things that start to happen with your kids. They start to do stupid things. And you go, oh, my prayers, my, they're not working. And as a matter of fact, they are working and the enemy is being stirred up and he's beginning to oppose you uh, in, in a way because he does not like when the church begins to step into its role. The enemy will leave you alone as long as you stay in the territory that you're at. 
He will tend not to mess with you because he has, he has sort of incapacitated you and made you content the level that you're at. But you are, you are called to be territory taker, a world changer, one who pushes the boundaries of the enemy back to the full territory that God has for you. And the moment you begin to take territory, the enemy says, wait a second. I got to stir some things up in that person's life. I got to, I got to start pulling on those areas that I put hooks into their life or people around them that, that have uh, influence in their life. I'm going to start pulling on them. And before you know it, all hell breaks loose around you. And you're going, wait a second, God, I'm just praying that your will be done in my life. What's going on? Well, what's going on is your prayers are actually doing something. And, the, and it's stirring up the enemy. So I want us as, as a people of God, as a church, to be aware of what's happening. All right, some of you are hearing me. I like that. So oh, it's good. This is good. And as we're coming to the end of this series, right, we're not coming to the end of the work that, that is to be done. Uh, and as we have been, and, and part of what's going on, and I say this because uh, a number of people over the last, I would say, uh, two weeks, have come and told me that as, as we have been striking the target as a church, we're, we're doing that on the weekend services as we focus, we're doing the small groups, we're doing the prayer times Friday morning as we gather together corporately and we pray, you're praying in different, that, that the enemy doesn't like it. The enemy is actually beginning to be stirred up. And when people have seen visions, they've had spiritual dreams, I've had people contact me and, and they're perceiving that the enemy doesn't like what Koinonia Church is doing. I like that. I like that. And I, I, I just want to encourage you today uh, that the way forward is for us to continue. Uh, and, and, and I want to encourage you today, with, uh, and I'm going to invite uh, Josh Cordero to come up and, and share for a few moments. Uh, Josh came to me this week, and he shared some things with me uh, that he had perceived and seen, and he did some things uh, uh, that I think are, were very insightful uh, that, that I want to make sure that we underline uh, today. And uh, so I'm going to shut up and I'm going to let him talk and then I'll come back in a second. Slept well. We got our drink at the 111 in the lobby. My son was in a good mood. Everything's going great. Worship was powerful. Sermon was fantastic. Then Andrew started to pray. And I can't even tell you in hindsight what it was he was praying about, but initially I began to feel the Holy Spirit manifest in such a profound and powerful way. But then there was this drastic shifting in the whole room. My wife began to feel it too. My wife, Sarah, she began to feel physically sick, like she was going to vomit. And she had to combat it with prayer. And she told me later she didn't even remember what Andrew prayed for. She just started rebuking powers of darkness. She began to rebuke demonic forces that she could feel were just manifesting in the room. And I had a different response. I began to feel anger. All of a sudden, these wounds, these transgressions of past hurts within the church began popping in my head. Some of these things were over 10 years old that I hadn't thought of, things I just pushed down, didn't fully deal with, but maybe had, you even call it maybe inconsequential at that moment. It was a sliver of what it once was, but I had just shoved it down and like a floodgate, they just burst open. And I became tone deaf to everything that was being said. I just thought of what this person did and what that person did and that offense that happened. And I became, the anger turned into rage. I started, I knew this had to be something demonic. Where's this coming from? It just poured out. Everything was rushing through me. It became so angry. I even lashed out at my wife when she looked at me like, what's wrong? And I couldn't even pull myself out of it. Finally, I had to, I broke down crying. I told my wife, I need help. Pray for me. I don't know what's happening to me right now. This isn't me. 
And she began to pray, and I began to slowly come out of it. This went on for days, kind of slowly creeping out of this, this feeling. And like, God, okay, God, what, what haven't I done? What do I need to do with to deal with this? And God initially gave me an answer I didn't expect. He said, go to Andrew Cromwell and ask for his forgiveness. And I said, what? For what? What did I do to the church? This is about what's been done to me. And God told me, unless you do this, you are useless to me at Koinonia. And suddenly I began, he began to put on my heart all the grumbling and gossiping. And oh, I don't agree with that. I would have done that differently. I don't like how they handled that. I became so offended by these minor trespasses. I built up a wall that made me tone deaf to everything that God wanted to impart to me through the leaders of this church. Now, I didn't want to do this, <laughs> to be very clear. I'm like, well, God, I'm praying about it. I'm asking you for forgiveness. Isn't, didn't I deal with this already? No. For days, he reaffirmed this. Go and talk to him and ask for your, him for your forgiveness for what you have done. So he and I met. We had a little chat. And I asked for forgiveness, and I said, and I think it's so appropriate that Kristen Champlin led us in what we talked about this morning. I asked for his forgiveness, and I said, Pastor, I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be praying for your wife, your children. When our leaders fail, we fail as a church. And I think right now, this one of the single biggest threats against Koinonia is a spirit of offense. And I know that on that day, when Andrew initially began to pray, the enemy was stirring. He was desperate. He found that little thing that I thought I had buried away, and he began to twist it and exploit it, just as I'm sure he's done that in many of you. There is something that you have not given to him that the enemy will find, and he will exploit, and he will prevent you from walking in the fullness of what he has for you. Now, how you identify exactly what that is, I don't know. You have to take it to the Holy Spirit. I, how, what that is, I don't know. But how, this is how I know you, you identify it. You talk to the Holy Spirit. You worship. You pray. You give thanks for what he has done in your life. The enemy hates the spirit of thankfulness. And then you begin to ask him, what do you want me to do, God? Just ask him. And I guarantee you, you'll know it's the Holy Spirit because it'll be something you don't want to do. <laughs> he will either ask you to surrender something that you want to cling to, or he will ask you to go talk to someone that you've had no desire to have any more interaction with. But when you do that, the enemy is going to lose all authority over that situation. He's going to lose all authority over you. And you are suddenly giving God back the opportunity to do what he wants with your life. It's a powerful thing. But at church, we have an enemy and he hates the season we're in. I'm not talking about the season that's coming, the season that we are in. He hates it. He is trying to undermine it. He wants to exploit everything you've kept buried down. Don't let him. This will be a season that can pass you by. Don't let that happen, church. Pastor Blake Cromwell, Andrew's father, he had said that Quarantine would be a house where the bikers sat next to the bankers. I believe it can be a church where the Democrats sit next to the Republicans, where the vaccinated can sit by the unvaccinated, where the society can look at us and say, well, I don't understand it. How do you people have such different opinions and you still get along? How does your different cultures not clash? Because we can come together on Jesus, and that's all we need to come together on, church. When we do that, we become a force to be reckoned with, a force that the enemy cannot stop, and Quarantine can be Become a name that will make the demonic realm tremble. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. 
Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Those are our weapons, church. Worship and prayer. Thank you, John. Excellent. Excellent. So the reason I asked Josh to share that, and I did, really didn't know how much he was going to share, and, uh, but, but and, and I'm not interested necessarily, I didn't, I didn't feel like Josh needed to come and apologize to me, I'm, and I'm not looking for, I'm not trying to say, hey, all you guys need to apologize to me or something, because <laughs> I, I want you to hear the principles that we're dealing with uh, and, and what he's talking about, and oftentimes what is, what is stirred up by the enemy when we begin to take territory is number one offense. Uh, and it's offense. Sometimes it's it's in the church, and it's, there's somebody that's done something to you. It's an, it's an old wound. One of the things that Josh did is he said, "Listen, I want to make sure that I deal with every splinter that's in my heart, because I don't want to to leave anything to fester uh, for what God wants to do." The the way that you deal with offense is you do what Josh did. You go and and you and you repent. You apologize, and you allow the Lord to do His work. Uh, and, and when the Holy Spirit begins to reveal to you an area where maybe you've been in disobedience or you've been offended and you're holding on to it, uh, something that you didn't even realize, it gets stirred up and you go, why is my reaction so out of line, it's overboard, then usually something is, is being pulled on, something's being triggered that where the enemy has some territory that, that he's starting to, to, he's starting to yank your chain, he's starting to mess with you. Uh, and, and the way, the, this is where, I, I need you to hear me, the way of the cross is the way of repentance and death to personal rights, to personal offenses, to personal bitterness, to personal selfishness. This is the way of the cross. I'm not talking about puffing yourself up so you're acting more strong with the enemy. I'm talking about going down to the cross and saying, Jesus, you're the one that has defeated the power of the enemy. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to once again allow you to do the work that you need to do in my life to uproot every wicked thing. That's every wicked way that's inside of me, everything that's in disobedience, every time I've been offended and wounded and have it has been guarded in my heart. Lord, would you take it out and I'm going to yield and submit. I'm going to die so that your power can live in me. That, that is the way that we win the victory. That is the way that we win the war. It's opposite of the way that the world works, right? The, the world doesn't work in this way. The world tells you, you got to puff yourself up. You got to act more strong. You got to push through. I'm actually talking about when, when we begin to see what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, we deal with repentance and obedience, and then we get back into the battle. That, that, that's, how you, that's how you deal with areas where the enemy has authority is, is you just say, now, okay, God, I see, I see that. Now, what, what do I need to do? I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to come to you and maybe not to another person that, that has offended me or whatever it is. And, and you bring it to the cross. You bring it under his authority. You begin to do what he tells you to do, which is to forgive and to be obedient. And that actually begins to break the power of the enemy. And so then you can actually have all confidence that we're coming back and, and, and Lord, I've dealt with everything I know how to deal with and I'm coming back under your authority and under your blood and we're going to continue to do war against the enemy. Now, you better believe there'll be maybe something else that, that he reveals to you because there's always deeper levels that he's going. There's always deeper levels that he's going to work on. It's called sanctification. <laughs> the scripture says this is the will of God, your sanctification, your transformation, you becoming more like Jesus, you increasingly, uh, his life being revealed inside of you as you are crushed, right, in a beautiful way so that his beautiful oil can come pouring out of you. That is the way that we will, in fact, 
uh, defeat the enemy. And, and so I, I just want to, I, I want to spend some, uh, just a few moments together with you, maybe 60 seconds, 90 seconds, 120 seconds uh, with you, just praying together corporately uh, in this area and just continuing to press, asking God to reveal, asking God to speak to us about areas that we need to deal with, but also beginning to, or continuing rather, just to press against me and say, enemy, you're not going to win this battle. Uh, Satan uh, and all of your forces that are opposed, uh, and the, all the deeds of darkness that you desire to do, all the wicked things that you have, uh, that, those things are coming down in Jesus' name. We're, we're not going to allow those things to, re, uh, to rule and to reign in our lives and in our families and in our communities. This is the territory here in this place. This, this county belongs to Jesus Christ. This, this county is not going to belong to the enemy. And, and while he has a measures of authority, we're taking territory in the name of Jesus. Uh, two verses that I'll, I'll just put up here. I think they're on the screen, and then we'll pray together. And I, I've quoted uh, maybe both of them this morning. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves to God. Submit yourselves to God. That means come into alignment with him, obedience with him. Repent for those things where you're out of alignment, the sin that has beset, beset us, those things that we've gotten tangled up in, the willing disobedience and un, uh, unwilling or even unknown sin that we fell into. Whatever it is, we're submitting ourselves to God. I hear you, Lord, and I'm saying yes to you. I'm going to do what you want me to do even though I don't want to do it, even though it feels uncomfortable, even though sometimes it doesn't make sense, right? Uh, I mean, Josh didn't need to come to me in, in a natural sense. I, I didn't have an offense against him, but that what happened was he submitted himself to God, came under a principle that allowed then God's goodness to flow in a fresh way in his life. And, and so when God tells you to do something, just do it. Just do it. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. Somebody say submit. submit. And resist. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, which means, hey, I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm getting back into the battle. I'm not going to listen to what you say. I'm not going to do that way. Yep, I, I, I messed up. Now I'm going to submit once again to God, ask for, uh, for cleansing and for healing and new empowerment, and I'm going to resist once again. Enemy, you're not going to have your way in my life. Resist the devil, and what's going to happen? He, will you read it with me, will flee from you. My dad used to say the enemy is a short-term fighter. We see that throughout Scripture. He, can, he, can't, he can't handle a long-term battle. He, 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 just, he, he works in short spurts. He, he, he has energy just enough to push and push and push, and the moment you're about to break and you continue to fight, he runs out of energy, and he's going to leave. Uh, and, and so you submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. When we pray and we begin to declare and we begin to push, what we're doing is we're resisting spiritual darkness. We're resisting and we're saying to the enemy, you're not going to have this territory. You're not going to have my life. You're not, you're not going to have my kids. You're not going to have my family. You're not going to have this community. You're not going to have this church. We're, we're not going to give in to you. We're resisting you, enemy, by the power of Jesus Christ. His blood was shed so that we could live in freedom. He came to declare a new day, a day of freedom for us, a day of, of freedom from bondage and addiction and brokenness, a, a day of freedom where we can once again see things that we didn't see. And we're resisting by the power of God, right? By the power of the word. And we're saying, you're not going to have your way. And, and after, after a while, he just goes, man, this is a little uncomfortable. I, I'm just going to go ahead and go somewhere else for a while. I'll bother somebody else that doesn't know how to pray. I'll bother somebody else that doesn't know how to resist. I'll bother somebody else that, 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 is, is un, that is willing just to sort of go with the flow. Romans 16, 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. I knew I wouldn't get to any notes this morning, but that's okay. I wanted to end in prayer anyway, so would you stand to your feet? 
and let's just be the church of God, the, God, the church that God has desired us to be and called us to be. What we're doing right now is we're doing a corporate prayer, corporate warfare, and as I have encouraged you before, we're gonna lift our voice. So this is not silent prayer, this is actually noisy prayer. And the, the more noisy it is, the less you can hear people around you and the better that is. If you got a prayer language, begin to pray in your prayer language. And let's just begin to do war against the enemy. Let's just begin to declare that the territory that the enemy has taken, he's no longer gonna win the victory. He's no longer gonna have this territory. And we put you on notice, enemy, that we are the people of God. We are the children of God. We have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he's the one that has authority in our lives and in this place. And so right now we stand in opposition to the evil one. We stand in opposition to every place where he has authority. And we say the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is the one who has authority in this place. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is the one who's going to win the victory. We put you on notice, enemy. Your time is short. You're not going to have ultimate authority. There is, in fact, an end to you, and you know it. And though you might fight, and though you might yell, and though you might roar, and though you might cause problems around us, we, in fact, will win the victory because Jesus Christ has won the victory over you. So, God, I just pray that the people of God right now, that every area in our hearts and minds where we have given authority to the enemy, everything that we need to deal with in our personal lives, Holy Spirit, would you just begin to reveal it to us so that we can submit to you, so that we can make us a people of, of willing to submit, a people who would be willing, Lord Jesus, to continually come to the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would make your house, this house, a house that would be so sensitive to your spirit, so sensitive to your spirit in the name of Jesus, that when you say something, we do it. That when you whisper something to it, Lord, to us, that we would just move, that we would be obedient, that we'd say, yes, God, what, what do you want me to do? Just like we heard this morning as Alfred encouraged us, Lord, that we're listening as Samuel did to the voice of the Lord. And though it whispers to us, we would say, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. Make us a quick and ready people to hear your voice, to hear your voice, to hear your voice. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you. Now let's, I just, for, as we begin to close right now, I just want us to begin to uh, war in the, in, this, in the supernatural realm for those who are lost within this, within, this, within this county, those who are far away from God. And I just want you to begin to speak to, to spiritual opposition, to spiritual darkness, to wickedness that is holding people in chains, to addiction that has people caught up in the flesh and they can't get out of it. And we're speaking right now spirit of opposition. We're speaking to darkness. We're saying in the name of Jesus, there's one that's greater than you. In the name of Jesus, Kings County belongs to Jesus Christ. We declare that the four corners of this county don't belong to the enemy. They belong to Jesus Christ. And we're speaking right now to darkness and we're saying, Jesus, would you shine your light over the hearts and minds of those who cannot see you, those who are, in, who are captured in chains of darkness. Would you begin to shine the light? Would you wake people up from where they're at right now, that they would be suddenly aware of their need for you, that they begin to rush into the walls of the churches. They begin to look for Christians who could tell them the truth of Jesus Christ. They, they would begin to seek, Lord, your truth and your ultimate reality. In the name of Jesus, we claim
proclaim those who are far away from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, from the north and the south and the east and the west. Bring them in, Lord Jesus. Let them go, enemy, we say. They're not yours. They belong to the Lord. They belong to the King of Kings. They belong to the one who bought and won the victory in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Would you just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Come on, a little bit louder. Yes, God. Yes, Jesus. All right, if I'd have the prayer teams come down, if you need more prayer, come up. If you need to do some business, do business. Uh, but I'm out on time, praise God. Prayer works. Would you have a great week? Make sure you go to your small groups, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the message, and we hope to see you on a Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Visit us online at casinghamford.com, and if you want to support our ministry, click Give. Cornelia Church, passion for God, compassion for people.